up, Satan. So, talking sex. I'm ready. Uh, so, are you for oral sex? Definitely for oral sex. Definitely. Wait, but is oral sex sex? Uh, it's not sex. Uh, I plead the fifth. If you're living uh, in today's age and and you're not okay with oral sex, I, you you know the '90s have called. It's what you do. You you get dinner. You have a movie. Uh, oral sex. You go home at night. That's I mean that's it's part of the dating process. I mean. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Uh, will premarital sex help your dating relationship? I, I definitely, I'd say, you know, you got to get after that early. You got to start early. Will, uh, will living together help you prepare for marriage? You know, here's the deal. You know, you wouldn't buy a car without going out and put some miles on it. And I, I mean, how, how, how could you marry someone if you don't even know what it's going to be like? I mean, you've got to try that out. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, what do you think about pornography? The, the biggest problem with pornography, in my mind, is that kids today don't realize how hard it used to be to get pornography. You used to have to work to get that stuff. You actually had to go to the store. Is this, uh, is this decaf or...? Think about masturbation. Uh, masturbation, definitely for it. Uh, I'll tell you what, I gotta give it up. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't create things, but I gotta thank God for masturbation. L let me tell you something about masturbation. Number one, masturbation's never hurt anybody, all right? And number two, Masturbation's awesome. I don't do it, though, personally. But adultery. Do you really want to be locked down with one person? There's probably, what, like six billion people in the world? I mean, that might be what your grandparents thought. We're in a different generation, baby. I've done lots of great things for you. Uh, cats. And... The plague. So... What about, uh, homosexuality? If a guy wants to be with another guy, Hey, props to him. More chicks for the rest of us. Am I right? Uh, he knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't have a problem with it personally. I mean, you like diet soda, I don't. You know? You know what I'm saying? Hey, good morning, City Lots. Good morning. My name is Peyton. I'm the lead pastor here at City Lights Church. If you're a first-time guest, you're thinking one of two things. This church freaking rocks, or I knew I shouldn't have come here this morning. So probably one of two things. And I promise you, uh, we hope that it's not the second one. Uh, we do think that we're pretty special around here. Obviously, we are in a, a, a sensitive series for those of you who are not too sure what you think about sex, or especially talking about it in public. And we are in this, really just talking about how um, kind of God gives us boundaries when it comes to these things, and I'm not really sure why sex doesn't get talked a lot about in church, because God mentions it so often. Some of it's very R-rated, R-rated from the Old Testament, some of it's a little bit more sugar-coated in the New Testament, but nonetheless, that's what we're talking about um, this morning, talking about some of God's boundaries, and um, I got to thinking this morning, should I just even come, if we, pray, if we play this video, somebody going to try to fire me, or should we, what should happen here, but... Um, so far, so good. I see a couple blank stares on you, and you're not sure what you think about it. So we'll, we'll get going this morning. And this is what I hope you see as we, as we kind of dive in, that I think you're going to see something that is really a beautiful picture. It's representative of God's love when it comes to uh, our sexuality. And, and uh, we talked about last week how um, God, really, the things that he places in our life, these boundaries that he sets, um, are really to set us up for success, not for failure. Also, I know this, as we kind of get into these, this subject of sex, there's a lot of preconceived notions about what you think about it. I know there's a lot of different people sitting in here who have had different experiences. Um, 
Some of you have got these thoughts about what the Bible says about sex, and maybe you have this own, your own opinion. You're not even really sure what that opinion is, or rather yet you're not sure how to explain it. You just have it for whatever reason, maybe because of culture, or maybe because of what your parents taught you, or maybe because you, of what you think the Bible says. But we're going to kind of just unpack today what God says about um, sex, S-E-X. So uh, am I the only one sweating in here right now? Is it, whew, is it just me? Am I wearing too many layers or I don't know, but I'm probably going to need a bottle of water here in a minute. I'm about to choke on my own tongue up here. So, um, Nonetheless, we're, we're, we're going to dive into this this morning. And uh, I, I want you to, if you, if you have a Bible with you, open up to Proverbs chapter 5. If you've got it on your phone, go ahead and turn that app on and open up there. That's where we're going to be, and I'll get there in just a minute. If you don't have a Bible, as Heather mentioned, we're going to have some out there at the Next Steps table for you. We'd love to just give you one that's free. Um, if you don't have one also in here right now, we're going to have it up on the screen. So um, we're going to dive in in just a minute. But I kind of want to just set some things up for us as we, as we dive in. Uh, we are in the series Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll, and specifically we are going to be talking about sex the next couple weeks. And so I, I want to just point out a couple things as we, as we dive into this that um, sex is a very relevant, it's a very biblical topic. So um, there's no need for uh, probably me to be sweating up here right now because it's God's word, it's not, my, not mine. But we are going to touch on some, some sensitive subjects, and so that's why we've been very adamant about if you've got children to go check out City Lights Kids, which, by the way, last week was the highest tense we've had. It was so cram-packed in there. We are looking at potentially moving to a new space. So for those of you who have kids, yeah, that's, a good, that's something to celebrate. Um. That was a little weak, but so that was, there we go. Good Lord. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. So we just want to always, every week we want you to take your kids back there, but specifically uh, as we're doing this, this, um, this series, and and there was a good question that got brought up last week is, you know, what about middle schoolers? And I I, I can uh, just assure you that middle schoolers are hearing everything that you just heard on this video and and a lot of them are doing it. So we feel like here's the deal. They're going to either hear it here or they're going to deal with it at school. And if they hear with it here, they can hear it from a biblical worldview through the lens of Scripture and in turn be able to handle it when they get there at school. So that's kind of our thought behind that. But also I know this. When it comes to sex, there's a lot of thoughts about is it right, is it wrong outside of marriage. We have these preconceived notions, especially here in the South. And I think it would be very easy for us to take a legalistic stance upon it. I and mean, we're not going to do that this morning. We're just going to look straight at God's Word and let that kind of filter um, our thoughts and let His His Word answer it for us. So... Uh, that's really the, the agenda this morning is just to go to God's word, let him answer these questions for us. And I, I also, as we dig into this, when we talk about, when we talk about sex, um, I know that can be a sensitive subject for people. And this is why, because there's many of you in here and um, maybe you're not married and you're out having sex. And maybe there's a part of you that's like, I don't think I should be doing that, but... Does it really even matter if I'm having, I mean, I'm an adult. There also, I know this, there's people in here that maybe um, you're living together with the, someone and you're thinking, hey, uh, I love this person. We've been together for years. God knows my heart. Um, God knows my intentions. And you should know this. God does know your intentions and he knows your heart. But more importantly, you need to know God's standard for your life. I also want to be sensitive to the subject that there could potentially be people who have been sexually abused in here. I also want to be sensitive to the fact that rape is a very real thing, and unfortunately we live in a society where that happens. So as we talk this morning in the next couple of weeks about sex and God's standard for that, 
um, specifically outside of marriage, I want to just address those who have been sexually abused or potentially a raped victim. Um, that may the Father in heaven comfort you through that and that um, what we're speaking in here is some general terms this morning. So does that make sense? It, um, that's kind of where we're, we're going. And I, I, there's, there's so many thoughts on, on um, what does God say about sex? What does he want us to know about it? And I think it'd be very easy, very, very easy, especially here in the South, just to take a very legalistic stance this morning and, and get very hard-nosed and pull out some Old Testament tough scripture and say, don't do this, don't do that. That would be the easy thing to do. But what I want us to do is, is look at um, the heart of God this morning. And what I want us to see is that through these boundaries that God gives us, that it's ultimately um, his love for us and protect us. So um, I, I've asked you to open up to Proverbs chapter 5. We'll get there in just a minute. But this is, this is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Just kind of setting up the context here. The writer of Hebrews um, 13 says this. He says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Now, I've shared this a thousand times. I've shared it, if I've shared it once, I've shared it 2,000 times. If you come back next Sunday, you'll hear it again. But there's so, something so beautiful about when we study the Scripture that when um, we see repetitive words, specifically even in like chapters or books, that the author is trying to tell us something beyond just, hey, I can't come up with another word. So here we see in this one verse, we see that the, the word marriage is used twice. And so that should call our attention to something here, and we obviously see that the context is marriage. So give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. Listen, God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Now, I want to just clarify before we move forward um, what we're talking about here. Uh, The boundary is marriage, sex in marriage. In fact, it could be said like this, outside of God's boundaries... Sex rips my heart apart. Outside of God's boundaries. And so I want to clarify that as the scripture talks about, surely God will judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Well, certainly we know this, that if you are married and you have an affair on your spouse, that's adultery, right? Everybody knows that. Then the next question is this. Is so if I'm single and I'm out having sex with a bunch of different people or even one person or maybe not even a bunch of people. Maybe you're, just, you're living with someone or you're, you're dating them. You've been together for a while. You, you plan to get married. Um, and I think the newsflash is this, is that that really makes you an adulterer as well. If the context of sex and God's boundaries is in marriage, then it's not just those who cheat on their spouse who commit adultery. It's anything outside of God's boundary, which is for marriage. And so it could also be said just very simply that having sex with anyone but our husband or wife is committing adultery. The boundary for sex is in marriage. We see this twice in Hebrews 13, for the author lets us know it's marriage. It's marriage. And let me just say this before we get going um, and kind of just really dive in. We're going to take off fast that um, I really feel like my job, one of my, my duties, the obligation, really just um, a responsibility as a pastor of City Lights Church, as an ordained minister, is to teach the Word of God truthfully and, and, and let you know what God's Word says without any regard to what you want to hear. Does that make sense? Just to really stretch you and take you farther and um, 
and let you see God just really exposed. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. So um, don't judge me, and I won't judge you for, for being crazy. So we're going to dive into to chapter 5 of Proverbs, and here's basically what's going on in this scripture. In, in Proverbs, it's, it's a really beautiful book. It's one of the five poetic books. You've got Job, Psalm, Proverb, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Um, it's one of the poetic books uh, one thing that's interesting about like English poetry is it really kind of focuses on like rhyme and meter, but in this in the book of Proverbs, these poetic books, they really kind of focus on other characteristics. And you're going to see here that um, there's some there's some truths in here that I think we'll see are very just like hey, this is ABC, it's very black and white. And there's some other things that are going to be what you would call like uh, figurative or metaphorical. And I think that also as we dive into this, we're going to see that this scripture, written thousands of years ago, is very relevant. And there's a lot of application for this postmodern culture today. We're here on February 15th. There's a lot of things that are relevant to us today. And let me say this. If you were outside of church talking about sex with your buddies, you'd be laughing and having a good time, most likely, if you talked about it. So let's not be a bunch of stiff necks in here, okay? I don't know if, like, the, the, if like we've just been penetrated by a bunch of Baptists this morning. You're like, hey, this is crazy. But let's just... Let's just Loosen up a little bit and, and have some fun, okay? If you can't have fun here, then where in the world can you have it? So we're in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1. Here we go, diving in. It says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel, verse 2. Then you will show discernment, and your lips will express what you've learned. In verse 3. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth smoother than oil. What's happening here is there's a man named Solomon. If you ever heard of a guy named King David in the Old Testament who fought Goliath, he had a son named Solomon. Solomon is the, the primary, uh, through God, the author of Proverbs. And he's having this conversation here, and he's basically setting up the context of, uh, as we see here in verse 3, what it's like when we go after lips of an immoral woman. And just so we're clear here, this is not specifically... Um, and our message today just about an immoral woman. In fact, I think it could be said, better said that we're talking about sexual temptation when we see an immoral woman. So it could be said something like, so sexual temptation is as sweet as honey and smoother than oil. For that sexual temptation, it could be, for men, it could be you can't take your eyes off of a computer screen when your wife's gone. The sexual temptation could be you're not married and you're very physically attracted to someone. And so let's not just let the immoral woman be about a woman. Let's let it be about a sexual temptation as we see that and move forward. I think this, this week I was standing in a gas station here in Clinton, and uh, I'll be honest with you, um, I'm a kind of a daydreamer. I think I've met, not just a daydreamer, I'm a dreamer in, re, in, in just all walks of life. And I'm so grateful for my wife because she's like a realist and she kind of keeps me down to earth. Otherwise... We would probably be in China um, doing God knows what, asking God knows who for what. She keeps, keeps me down to reality. But there's times where, and I'm not going to lie, just, you know, confession here. Like, like when these Powerballs and jackpots get up to like, you know, I think this passion was like 400-something million. I was just thinking, in my mind, being holy, you get a little preacher. Gosh, man, I'd love to... I love to win that thing. We were—I was in this gas station here here in town, and I hold these. I heard these old men. They were talking about how it's up to four hundred fifty million or something like that. And I'm standing in line, getting my mail yelling for like a brief second. I think I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy a couple tickets. 
I'm not going to tell anybody. I had my Hurley hat on. I hadn't shaved. It's midweek. Nobody knows me. I'm going to buy me a couple Powerball tickets. And instantly, this is all like, you know, like 10 seconds. I'm thinking, all right, if I win, I'm going to pay off all our debt. I'm going to hook my friends and family up. I'm going to buy the church piece of property. We're going to build the sweetest building. I mean, we are going to just do whatever we want, however we want, whenever we want. I ain't never going to work again. My wife's not going to work again. You know, just going like, you know, crazy. I start thinking about like, you know, what kind of vehicle I'm going to buy, what color. And this is all in like a 10-second time span. And then immediately I had this thought because there's people behind me. I'm like, dang, I'm a pastor. If I win the Powerball, I can't cash the check in because then the Clinton Courier is going to write an article about how this pastor's out gambling and he wins this money. And so I'm thinking, okay, who can I have go get the money for me? I'm going to give my ticket to somebody. You know, just going through these crazy thoughts there. And obviously, well, I, I didn't buy one. But the, the temptation was there because there was a, a big reward. And often it could be said like this. That's really kind of what sex, sexual temptation is like. It, it's, it's a gamble, except, you know, in the lottery you could win. But when it comes to sexual temptation, you always lose. You always give a piece of your heart away when it's outside of God's boundary. We always lose. See, it's more than a gamble when it comes to sexual temptation. Pulls back up verse 3. For the lips of an immoral woman are sweet as honey. And I'll be honest with you, it would be so sweet to win $450 million. It'd be so smooth. But it's a gamble. And the odds are against me that I would win. This morning, as you face sexual temptation, as you went through it, as you battle, as you fight through it, the odds are against you. In fact, the odds are that outside of God's boundaries, your heart will be ripped apart. Because really, what happens is it begins to separate us. If it's outside of God's boundaries, that means it's outside of God's will, then sin comes in and it separates us. As we pick up back in our story, just kind of setting up the context there. So Solomon's having this conversation. He's really talking about sexual temptation. If you're a man, it could be a woman. Or it could be, you know, if you're a woman, it could be a man. Or really whatever the temptation is you face or have dealt with. So we're back in Proverbs chapter 5, and we're going to kind of just take off on it. This is verse 4. Just gets in talking about the lips, how sweet they are, how smooth it is. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison as dangerous as a double-edged sword. And so it's like a big caution flag. Yeah, sexual temptation looks good. Right, because sex is a good thing. Inside of God's boundaries, it's a good thing. Listen, I don't know, I have a feeling, I'm gonna just be real. Some of you, you're either not having sex and you're pissed that I'm talking about this this morning, or you're so, you're so awkward that you're not sure what to think about it. So, let's just get something out in the air, okay? <laughs> Sex is a good thing. Can I get an amen from my married people? Amen. Okay, good. I did not want to think that I was the only one in here that was living in God's will, okay? All right, good Lord. Jesus, take the will. So, here we go. But in the end, she's as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. We see here t- sexual temptation. It's like the gamble. It's, like the, it's a lot worse, really, than the lottery. That You always lose. You always lose. There's this big caution flag. Verse 5, he says, Her feet go down to death, but her steps lead straight to the grave. Verse 6, For she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. See, this, uh, there's a great illusion that sets in that we don't even realize when we start falling victim to sexual temptation. 
Men, as you begin to look at pornography, and by the way, I just want to say there, there are women that do that these days as well, but it's primarily men. As we begin to look at pornography or as a man struggles with pornography and he's really got this, this strong sexual temptation, then this illusion sets in is that it's the reality. I, I can have this kind of woman. I can have this kind of lifestyle. But outside of God's boundaries, Solomon tells him that sexual temptation cares about nothing. There, there is no win in it for you. This illusion sets in. Women, you begin to think that the man who gives you attention at work or during break, he notices how you dress up and that your hair is new. This illusion sets in and sexual temptation looks good. But it staggers down a crooked trail. And I love what Solomon says in verse 7. He says, so now, now that I've warned you, listen to me. Never stray away from what I'm about to say. It's almost as if you can sense the passion in Solomon's voice as he says, listen to me. And what's interesting about this is, is Solomon had hundreds of wives. Hundreds of wives in the Old Testament. Some of them call, some translations they would say, you know, concubines. And, and it's almost as if that Solomon's really speaking from experience here. He says, listen to me. Never stray away from what I'm about to say. Verse 8, listen, stay away from her. Stay away from the sexual temptation. Stay away from that person who gives you more attention. Don't go near the door of her house, verse 9. If you do, you will lose your honor and will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. He's saying, listen, I know the temptation is sweet and smooth, but don't go anywhere near it. He's saying, don't even knock on the door. It could be said in a modern translation like this. Don't even open the browser. Don't even open the browser. He's saying protect yourself. He's saying don't go near the door of her house. He's telling you, don't even send a text message to him if you've got an ulterior motive. Stay away at all costs. Stay away at all costs. Why? Because when you give in to the temptation, you lose to merciless people. You lose all that you've achieved. And, and man, I, I tell you, it's so sad. It's so sad. I've seen this over and over in like just in ministry. I've seen it in, in just um, with friends. I've seen those who have committed adultery against their spouse. And, and I want to say this, that through God and through great faith, those things can be redeemed, but it takes time. But uh, Solomon gives us this great warning to stay away because it brings us down. And I can't tell you how many families I've seen destroyed because of sexual temptation before that. Because that moment of pleasure seemed so good. It felt so right. I mean, uh, you know, you ever heard people say, well, I asked you this earlier, God understands. He knows my, I mean, or I couldn't help myself even yet. I couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help myself. I can't count how many stories I've seen of just families broken because of sexual temptation. And for the people who say, I can't help myself, or you've heard them say that, or the urge was just too strong, this is probably one of the first scriptures I learned in the New Testament in the Bible period, but Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, when it comes to temptation. Listen, he says, the temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. Have you ever heard people say, why is God doing this to me? Like, God, why are you doing this to me? 
Other translations say it like this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. You're not facing anything that nobody else is going through, right? It's not like God is just, you know, going to send a lightning bolt down on you to judge you. He says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. I love this. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And just kind of just get off on a rant. Have you ever heard people... I think I saw somebody post this the other day, or I've certainly seen it before, that God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, that's not really true either. Because outside of God, you can't do anything but sin and mess up. The context is here is in God's faithfulness in your walk with him. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Why? Because when you're in him, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So sometimes that way out is just to turn your internet off for those who struggle with pornography. That's the way out. Like, you want God just to do this supernatural move, and he's like, hey, listen, why don't you just go ahead and save $70 a month anyway in your marriage and turn your computer off? Sometimes that way out is extreme, and it's switched jobs. You're around this person that's giving you attention, and you're kind of succumbing to it. Maybe you're in a bad relationship, or your marriage is struggling, and you're vulnerable, and you're weak. And, and sometimes the way out of that temptation is just to switch your job. Whatever your situation is, whatever the temptation is, we see that God is faithful and will always provide a way out. Now, I want to just kind of jump down a little bit as we go back to Proverbs and we pick up in our story there. Basically, Solomon has went on a little bit, and he's told his sons here, he said, you're going to be disgraced if you give in to this. You're going to live with a life full of regret, remorse, when you give in to this temptation that there's nothing that benefits us or benefits you from it. I'm going to pick up our story in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15. He tells them to drink water from your own well. Listen, he says, share love only with your wife. So again, the picture of God's boundaries for sex is inside marriage. And if my job is to tell you the truth, contrary to what culture says, and especially what's going on today, you need to know this. Solomon is talking to his son. He tells him to share love with only your wife. Listen, from Genesis to the very end, it's very clear and relevant and, and, and true and timeless and biblical that God's idea of marriage is for a man and for a woman. It's for a man and for a woman. And also, I might say this, that sex outside of those boundaries will rip your heart apart as well. He says, drink water from your well. Share your love only with your wife. Verse 16. Now listen, I'm going to read this, and if, you, you're like, if you've got like one of those crazy minds, and you're thinking, is Solomon saying what I think he's saying here? The answer is yes, okay? Because he gets a little weird here in some of the stuff he's saying, but he just says it very nicely. He says, well, I spill the water of your springs, that's one way to say it, in the streets. You guys are so stiff this morning. Listen, I was so excited to be here, and you're like really bringing this down, okay? Well, I spill the water of your springs in the streets. Having sex with just anyone. I love this. I mean, here's a, it's a good picture of, well, there's several pictures going on here, but one I want to talk about out loud is having sex with just anyone. Again, we see that there's this boundary of sex has got to be for marriage. And, and let's just be honest, sex is pleasurable. It's a good thing in God's boundaries. And he's saying, hey, but why would you want to go give this away to just people at random? Why would you want to do that? It's only going to cause you trouble. Verse 17, listen, he says, you should reserve it for yourselves. I want to just kind of 
unpack this for a minute. You should reserve it for yourselves and never share it with strangers. There's so many good words, so many good words in here if you like to just get very studious and kind of nerdy like me when it comes to biblical text. But reserve it for yourselves. See, there again, he's saying the, the boundary is inside of marriage. And he says, never share it with strangers. There's a couple thoughts on that. One is, when he says strangers, the most important thing I want you to know is that stranger is that anyone that's not inside the covenant of marriage. Anyone that's not inside the covenant of marriage. He doesn't literally mean if you don't know them. I mean, you shouldn't do that either. But he's saying that strangers, even, if, listen, a stranger is someone that you've lived with for five years and you're not married and you give yourself away. Never share it with those who are not in the covenant of marriage. And I also would think it would say this. This also talks about, you know, having sex parties and threesomes and orgies and crazy stuff. Never share it with strangers. Keep it confined. Reserve it for yourselves. Listen, verse 18. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now, this next verse, I could just imagine, like, waking up, like yesterday morning was Valentine's Day, and... and um, Speaking to my wife like this, I'm sure it would have worked so well. This is verse 19. If I was like, hey, babe, you're a nice deer. You got a nice rack. A great, you're a graceful doe. That wouldn't have worked out too well. But that's how they spoke back then. And so Solomon, he's saying here, she is a loving deer, graceful doe. Listen, let her breast satisfy you always. My married men, I should be getting a big amen from that right now. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. I think it's so interesting through God through Solomon, listen, that he chose to use this, this he ends this with being captivated by your love. And there's, there's so many different directions we could go on this. But I think one of the biggest things here is it, that Solomon says, listen, May you, he doesn't say this. May you always be captivated by her figure. Because it changes over time, right? He doesn't say, may you always be captivated by how she physically, sexually pleases you. Because that comes to an end at some point, right? Hopefully not for many, many years and decades to come. And he doesn't even say, may you always be captivated by her youth. May you always be captivated by what she does for you. But may you always be captivated by her love. And to my married men and even my single men, but specifically my married men in here, I think this is a good word for us that when he tells us to be captivated by her love, what he's really saying is this, that we should be able to enjoy our wives outside of the bedroom. It's easy to have fun with them there. But he says to be captivated by her love. It's also interesting that he uses the word love. And I heard uh, a pastor who's actually here on my elder board, Rodney Honor One Life, go into a little word study about this word love. And, and it's so, man, it's so interesting. When I heard it, it was just so enlightening to me and so refreshing. But the main Hebrew word for love is, is ahava. And the root word of it, though, of that word, it means to give. So he's saying, may you always be captivated by her love. 
And if the root word of the, the original word, it, it means to give, then it could be said like this, that we don't really fall in love. We create it because we give it. May you always be captivated by her love that you give, that she gives. And it's so interesting that we're talking about sex right here, but really Solomon ends it on something that's so much greater. It's so much more intimate than just physical pleasure. I think it's so important for a couple of reasons, and one specifically that I want to share with you is that if we create love, and really, this is kind of creepy and weird in a lot of ways, but our sexuality with our partners, in so many ways, is symbolic of the way that God loves us. May you always be captivated by her love, her ahava, to create, to give. And so in this strange circle, from the beginning of time in Genesis 1, we see when God loved us so much, he created us. The New Testament word that is most equivalent the translation, or, or, or rather, transliteration, is a word that's called agape, and it means unconditional love. It's the way that God loves each of us in here. In Ephesians 5.25, we see that really a picture of our sexuality towards each other and God's love towards us. Paul's writing a church at Ephesus and he tells them to love, he tells the husbands to love your wives. Just as Christ, you could say, Ahava. As he created, as he gave, you could say, Agape. Love the church. And so we see that God's intention for sex is inside of marriage. And it is for pleasure. And it is to protect us. But ultimately, it's a, our love towards our spouse is a picture of God's love towards his church. And just so you know here, that word church does not mean a building. It is not this high school auditorium. It's the people in who fill these seats. That is the church. That's why City Lights Church can meet at Anderson County High School in the auditorium. That's why a group of 12 people can meet in a driveway like we did in 2013. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So we see here that Love is created. We see that the love between a bride and a groom is symbolic and is significant just like the groom, Jesus, loves his bride, the church. And so we really do see that our sexuality and marriage is a picture of Jesus' love for us. And let me say this. I think there's people here, and this is a good logical question. I've been asked this myself several times, and I know that maybe you've been wondering it. So if God's... Boundary for sex is inside of marriage. And I've had sex with multiple partners. I've been divorced and, you know, now I'm dating. And, and what does that make me? Like, am I still, am I damaged goods? Is there any hope for me? And I would say the answer is, is this. That, yes, you can still be pure in the eyes of God through forgiveness and through following this principle 
There are people here that could potentially, you're a virgin, you've been waiting to have sex, and you're wondering, should I continue to wait? What's the big deal? I mean, I get made fun of. And I'll tell you, yes, you absolutely need to continue to wait. You wait for the right one. There's somebody here, potentially, and you're, you're living with someone or you're very active with them and you're not married and you're having sex with them and, you know, you, you try to justify and you say, hey, listen, I love this person. You know, we're going to get married. We've been together for a while. What's the big deal? And the big deal is this, is that really God wants you to stay inside his boundaries because it's to protect you. It's to protect you. I can remember... I can remember growing up, and even now still, hearing conversations from, from girls in high school. And I think just the reality is this, is that certainly there are some common themes of sex between men and women. But if we're just speaking the truth, it's oftentimes like women get a little bit more hurt it emotionally men use it as a notch to brag or to boast with their friends but God would say that sex outside of my boundaries is, is really it's going to tear your heart apart because each time that you sleep with someone each time you're you actually physically give yourself away man or woman divorced and dating again 19 and single we're the widower you're literally you're, you're giving your heart away each time So you go out and you have fun one weekend. One night stand felt so right in the moment, though. Felt so good. But you just gave a piece of it away. Your marriage has been struggling. The truth is you're not really investing in it, but somebody came along. They started giving you the attention that you wanted. They started to make you feel good about yourself. They were going to fix your problems because, remember, sexual temptation is an illusion. You give in to it because it felt so right. And you just gave away again. You're living with someone who you really love. And, and honestly, I, I also know that there's people that really, they, they love Jesus, and, but for some reason they only want to believe like 92% of the Bible. You with me? And, and God knows my heart, and, and I love her, and we're going to be a family. And, uh, you know, this is kind of where the saying goes like this. I mean, you know, make her an honest woman or make him an honest man. I mean, you're doing everything that God intends, except it's just not in his covenant. So what happens is this, is you take a big chunk of your heart. And every time you give it away, and every time you think, God, you, you understand, I mean, 
or your wife's out of town and it's just you and the kids are being babysat and you pull out the computer and it's not like you're actually really having sex by looking at the screen. And before you know it, your, your heart is ripped apart. You've gave it away and then you wake up and you're miserable one day and you're like, God, why is my life this way? It's because you've been living outside of his boundaries. But let me tell you what's, uh, uh, what's incredible about God's boundaries and, and who God is in general. And listen, I've made no bones about, about my life and, and the struggles that I've faced and, and overcoming drugs and alcohol and just really believing that God's given me a story of redemption. And it's why I'm so passionate when I speak about broken people because I was broken. In fact, I am broken on every, every day. If, I don't, if Christ doesn't show up in my life, I just am a broken individual. See, the only difference between you and I is really I, I'm up on stage and I've prepared a message. The ground is really level at the cross when we all fall before it. No matter how big your bank account is. No matter how great your college education is. When we fall before the Savior, the ground is level at the cross. And so when I speak, when I come up here with the conviction and passion, it's because I've ripped my heart apart from sexual sins and drugs and craziness. And if City Lights is going to be anything, let it be a story. Let it be a, a place where people can come with their hearts who've been ripped apart. Find Jesus as they are. And what happens is this. We give this old heart that's been ripped apart. It's been stepped on. It's been abused. It's been used it's been not appreciated. It's been treated with contempt. And sometimes we just feel like giving up and we just fold our heart. And we just lay it down. But then there's this man named Jesus, and aren't you glad that God loved the world so much that he would send his only son? For those whose hearts have been ripped apart. And then he would come with amazing grace. The Apostle Paul would say that grace is enough to cover all of our sins. And then we step into Jesus in this broken heart that's been ripped apart that we have just gave away, something new happens. He gives us a new heart. No matter how dirty or impure this has been, He gives us something new. He creates in us a clean heart and renews the right spirit within us. And I want you to know that this ripped apart heart can have this heart. No matter who you are or what you've been through. We believe at City Lots, we believe in the Bible, and we believe that God's grace is enough. And so this morning, maybe you need a new heart. Maybe you need a new heart. You know that you have been living what the Bible would call an immoral life. Doesn't make you unable to receive His grace. But you need a new heart. You need to overcome the sexual temptation. And I would even go as far to say this. There are some of us here, there are some men who 
you may not have actually physically went out and had sex. But Jesus takes it a step farther and says, listen, if you've even looked at a woman like that, you might as well have had sex in your heart. Job 31.1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. Maybe you need a new heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you know someone that needs a new heart and you would say, hey, you know, praise God, I'm inside the boundary. Hey, maybe you're here this morning and all this is craziness to you because really what you need to do is just to call out to Jesus for the first time. For the first time, you just need to, you just need to acknowledge that God is God and let him work out all this other stuff. I can tell you that would be a great step to take today. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you that we can come before you brokenhearted. God, we thank you that we can come before you just full of sin. God, and so many problems. and God, be lifted high by you. God, we thank you that you're a God of who redeems that which was lost, which was broken. God, that you mend things back together. And God, this morning, we just thank you that you're a God who saves, that you're a God who loves, that you're not a God of condemnation. So God, for those of us who are in this room, we know that we've fallen short. We've been in sexual temptation. We're living in it, living in it now. Maybe God, there's those of us who once lived in it and we just can't get past the guilt of that would you just speak to those of us who are facing that God and give us peace God show us we're forgiven that we've been cleansed by the blood that you spread on the cross should we claim that God there are those of us in here this morning that just need to really cry out to you for the first time that's the heart we need that's the heart we need and so we just we just ask you to move God We just ask you to move and do what only you can do. God, would you speak to us now? Let us feel your presence. Let us feel your spirit. God, cleanse our hearts. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. We are people in need of you. We are people who are desperate for you. God, we need you to do what only you can do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand as we sing?